Keep felt your road. Is that Obiha? Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for February 7th, 2024. My name is Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back again to your village this week with something that might make you think a little bit. So this week, I bring you an interview with a young man who hosts a podcast with a crew called The Scuttlebutt. I'll let him tell you what the term means. My mission today is to bring all of you a perspective of what's going on in the country and around the world from the viewpoint of the younger generation. So if you're a first-time viewer or listener, I've created a short advertisement for my podcast website for you to listen to now before we get into the interview. I want to take this time to ask for a donation of any amount to help me keep this podcast going and to also explain how to find my website and what's inside when you arrive at the door. My podcast will remain free to subscribe to for the time being on all of the major mobile podcast apps on my YouTube channel, Krona Biha, and for the first month on my Substack page, Krona Biha. I've set up a donation link on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com and a donations page on my website at www.kronabiha.com. If you care to contribute, I use PayPal for your security. Think of, think of it as me passing my hat around at the end of my visit each week. If you like this podcast, please share it with everyone you know before it gets too late. My motive is not to profit off the news I bring you, but to make all of you more aware of what's going on around you, and I can't do it without your help. Now, to explain how to find my website. If you're watching this video on YouTube, the address is right on the screen behind me. If you're listening to an audio show, just type in www.cranna-beatha.com in your browser and search for it. The website domain name is Gaelic. It may be a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you wish to return again. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my free blog posts, you can be notified whenever I post something new. Search for www.kronabiha.com in your RSS feeder and set it up. Users finding a website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little bit about what's inside. There you see a homepage link at the bottom of the page. On the homepage, you can learn a little more about what Kronabiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to all the pages in the website. The blog section is where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, and stories and poems. There is a drop-down podcast menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page, a bookstore tab to purchase my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Thank you for your patronage and support. So let's get into today's topic. Fancy everyone, and I want to introduce my guest, Hermes Oslander, a young American that's kindly agreed to let me ask him some pointed questions about the state of things from his perspective and background. So if you would please, kind sir, I, you know, I, I emailed some questions, sort of, and I've I've got some laid out here that are all pretty much everything I, I emailed you ahead of time. So I, you know, the first thing I kind of want to do is get an idea of who you are, where your background is, um, and, and not anything specific, you know. But I want to know your podcast. It's called The Scuttlebutt. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, the thing is, being former active duty myself, I know what the term scuttlebutt means, but <laughs> most non-military people probably have no idea. Um, so kind of explain that a little bit 
and tell us a little bit about your podcast. And, um, you know, I did listen to it a little bit today, um, you know, just just to kind of get an idea. But, uh, you know, let us know what it, let us know about. It. Sure, sure. No, I, I appreciate that, Terrence. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the uh, the two of us being uh, military service or anybody who is some uh, has some military service probably recognizes the term scuttlebutt as as that old gossip, that old watering hole. I mean, but civilians have it, too. You know, they have the, um, you know, like the corporate uh, watering hole, if you will. You know, you'll you sit by the five gallon uh, on, on a, on a break or something. And you, you know, just discuss, you know, whether it's sports or your family or whatever, it's just, you know, what's the latest and greatest in uh, everybody's life. And so in the, the military, you have plenty of watches, you have plenty of duties, you have plenty of assignments where it's a lot of sitting around, right? <laughs> There's a lot mm -hmm. of that. And, you know, what else are you going to do when you're stuck with one or two other people for the next 24 hours other than, you know, make some conversation. So that's kind of what, um, that's kind of what the scuttlebutt, uh, podcast is all about is just making some conversation amongst, um, the lower enlisted, maybe the higher enlisted and whoever else is brave enough to come on the show and maybe knock a couple cold ones back, maybe loosen those lips a little bit and maybe, uh, discuss some things that, uh, are a little more taboo, but maybe shouldn't be, you know, what, whatever it may be. I, I started the podcast actually when, uh, former commander in chief Trump was, uh, in his first indictment. And, uh, mm -hmm. we were just, <laughs> we were just very, you know, I was curious what other, you know, what my fellow sailors and soldiers were, you know, discussing or what they were thinking, you know, regards to commander in chief. And, uh, and then that's kind of where it took off. We were just, I, I, you know, I just said, you know what, what if we did this with some microphones and what if we shared this with, you know, the rest of the population, you know, what rest of the world, see what everybody else thinks. And, it sort of gradually, you know, slowly built up from there into what it is today, which is, you know, just some friends hanging out, some guests that we invite on and any topic under the sun that we can discuss, whatever interests us. Yeah, I kind of noticed that because I, I reviewed your last episode with the, the comic book creator and I thought, hmm, that's, that's a little offbeat, but I guess that's what you guys are all about, um, <laughs> doing offbeat topics. Exactly. You know, I'm, and I'm I'm kind of like that too in that regard. I um, I tend to go after offbeat news, things that normally people would pass by in the news feeds because you know I I stay away from the Donald Trump stuff because he's front and center everywhere and everything that he does everybody knows about it right then and now. I mean he's he's the biggest media topic. Um, but as far as it goes, and that's kind of what what we're kind of doing today. Because, you know, I'm an old guy. I admit it. I'm a senior citizen. And, you know, I was in basic training when Nixon resigned, just to kind of give you an idea of where my life has been. Um, and so I'm a little behind as far as some things. My perspective, I guess, is a little bit behind. Um, so I wanted a, a younger person's perspective on the same things that I talk about. Okay. So how about this? My next question was, you know, yourself, you know, you are where you are. What about your crew? I mean, your your podcast crew. I noticed you in the podcast, you were talking to somebody named Morpheus and, you know, one of the other sidekicks. I mean, are they, they sound like they're you're in your age group. Um, but the other part of it is, do they have the same employer you do? <laughs> uh, well, 
Yeah, Morpheus uh, and myself, we actually met on a tour overseas, actually. And that's when we, um, that's how we became friends. And so okay. we, uh, as we like to say uh, Theron is our token um, civilian. <laughs> he keeps mm-hmm. us grounded. He keeps us with, um, you know, he keeps us in check so that we don't get too far out into into deep water when it comes to terminology or acronyms or something. So two thirds of the podcast, the tripod that makes up the Scuttlebutt podcast is uh, active duty military. And then Theron is, like I said, our, our token or our resident civilian who makes up the tripod. Well, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, you kind of need that. I know I have to be curved quite a bit sometimes, especially <laughs> by getting people people asking me, wanting me to tell stories. And, you know, I end up going down the, the, sometimes a place I shouldn't be. Um, right. <laughs> I think yeah. I think all of us who've got military background tend to do that without, think, without thinking about it. It's just um, dark humor. That's all. It's just making us laugh. That's all. <laughs> well, yeah, what we think is funny may not be so funny with somebody who has no idea. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about a little bit about what's going on in the world. So part of it, I wanted to ask about your thoughts on the chaos all the politicians are making out of the borders around the world. And I'm not talking about just the United States because, you know, American media news, it's all about the southern border. They don't talk about the northern border very much. Now, the Canadians are all about the northern border. I read a lot of news stories out of CBC um, and, you know, they're talking about it all the time. But the Americans, it's like, you know, not so much. It's all about the South. But on the other hand, you go listen to uh, or read news articles from Euronews, The Guardian, BBC and all that. They're all about what's going on with all the migration, you know, all the migrants um, moving around over there now. So, you know, you said earlier in our, you know, our, our first conversation that you had been outside the United States. So, I mean, what did you run into over there as far as the rest of the world? Well, what do they, what do they think is going on with all these more migrations? Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. And especially tricky in today's climate of, uh, you know, what is it, what is, I would say culturally acceptable, but, um, but it's, it's a mixed bag, I guess is the easiest way I could say it. Right. And mm-hmm. that is, um, I think, I think uh, border integrity, right, for for national identity is 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 something most people agree is uh, at least semi important in terms of like how we define ourselves or how we, you know, what what can we say is is you know Europe or what can we say is the United States or more specifically what could we say is you know the state of Texas or what could we right. say is the country of you know Germany like how and I think that. I think most of us sort of take for granted that um, that the way we define that is through the is through borders. Now, then the question why I say culturally, maybe hot button topic, as you alluded to, is there is this idea of, well, you know, especially with the globally connected world that we have today, maybe there's a maybe there's some open border policy that would be more preferable or maybe there doesn't need to be so much, you know, um, emphasis put on, you know, border like uh patrol or security or prevent uh, prevention for you know humanitarian efforts and that's one thing that you that i saw when i was over in europe specifically because uh it was uh during the whole i mean it's still ongoing of course and there's always another crisis that that uh is is the topic of discussion but it was the uh, initial migrant crisis during the whole syrian refugee crisis when i was over there Mm -hmm. and um and you know it, it was 
it, it like I said, it was it was a mixed bag. You know, you you hear you hear one side of the aisle. I would say, if that's what we want to call it, uh, you'd hear you hear one side claiming, well, this is you know imperative for human life. This is imperative for the humanitarian crisis. And you know, is it is it is it that is it that difficult to basically you know have a heart? And I think that's a good argument. Of course, you know, like our fellow man, we should. I, I'm, I'm the type of person that will, will take my shirt off and help my neighbor. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from kind of a thing. If you're in need of help, I would like to help you if I can. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, uh, the conversation always evolves into, but, you know, nefarious actors and advantageous, you know, 'er ne'er-do-wells or, um, it also evolves into experience. And one thing that, uh, I'd say, much of the conversation or argument for let's say even passive borders not even open borders but just you know passivity or maybe the taking back of um of some of the you know like border security measures is one is is usually from a place of inexperience where you don't have any experience with uh you know uh, various cultures or backgrounds you're not aware of conflicts you know natural conflicts cultural conflicts that arise from a lot of these things and um, I think it was, um, there was, there was a book I read when I was over there that was recommended to me from one of my superiors called, uh, Prey by, um, I don't want to butcher her name, but, uh, I, Ian, I think Hersey Ali, Ayan Hersey Ali, I think is her name. And, mm -hmm. uh, she, she is a, a Muslim migrant to, I want to say Germany and she became, you know, she studied psychology and sci and, and, uh, wrote a series of books but specifically around like cultural conflicts was the one that prey was about and uh it's it highlights taking a blind eye to issues but it, and it, you know if you take a blind eye rather to issues in these cultural conflicts then it only breeds a better environment for these issues to continue arising and she gets a lot of criticism for it's like oh well you must be like you know like racist or you must be you know this that the other you know like um um bigoted against a certain cultural group or something and um and the criticism again is always like well i'm not doing anything but stating data like i'm just i'm looking at what the numbers are and if you look at the numbers and then i tie a couple of you know correlating factors in here i don't i don't see how that is like discriminatory and that's one thing that you know europe certainly has started to deal with and i think to your point of between Canada border and Southern border for the state, as far as the states are concerned is, is the, the perception, right? The propaganda perception and, and the conflict of culture, right? Uh, I think a big portion of the Southern border issue is that, um, is that one side of the aisle is, 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 uh, claiming something for one reason, maybe because of a lack of experience, but probably, you know, have their own agenda and then the opposite side is probably also true probably because a a lack of experience with the culture in question or you know whether it's south americans or hondurans coming up north for again humanitarian efforts and then nefarious actors you know hijacking said um migration i mean there's there's a lot of those factors and the lack of experience with any of these migrations i think is what drives this conversation and the ignorance of it is what drives the conversation as we continue on i mean my again my thought is that it's such a mixed bag that i think some of this is inherent again like how do we define ourselves the border probably is one way that we should and is is taken for granted for part of that definition but then how do we actually implement these things you know how do we uh, you know are we going to turn 
a blind eye to humanitarian efforts or are we not? And again, like as someone who, <laughs> as someone who would prefer to push that up the chain of command and not have to answer it myself, I'd say, um, my experience is that, uh, there's, is hopefully just education is just to like further educate myself on each individual, you know, um, situation, you know, if it's a European situation, because I'm not currently living there, I would say it's lower on the totem pole for me. Whereas the States, mm -hmm. as I'm currently in the States, it might be a, a higher, uh, you know, position for me. And then how can I educate myself on what's actually going on? You know, whether it's boots on the ground, whether it's, you know, for, you know, reading X, Y, and Z about it or firsthand experience about it, you know, that's a, that's an issue that I think a lot of Americans are just dealing with right now, you know? No, I agree. I mean, I, like you, I've spent, I spent a lot of time overseas and I've been to places where they had really hard borders. Um, I give you an example, Tajikistan. Um, if you go to the Northern border of Afghanistan, there's a river there and just across the river is Tajikistan. And they have a very, very hard border there. And knowing their policies, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so is this, you know, is this what the Americans envision for themselves at their Southern border? Well, they kind of sort of do because Texas is throwing all that concertina wire out there and the buoys and everything else. So I'm like, okay. Um, you know, and I, a lot of it is fear mongering. And, you know, that's the other part of what I read in the news is that there's a lot of fear mongering from one side and it's not true. A lot of it. Um, and yes, there are, there are a lot of traffickers who are making a lot of money bringing these people up through the Darien Gap and up through and, and trying to get them across the border in the United States. But they're only in it for monetary reasons. They could care less what happens to you once they let you go. And that's that's the bottom, that's their bottom line. Um, as far as the refugees are concerned, one of the things that I learned, and it wasn't here in the United States that I learned this, I learned this overseas going to refugee camps and everything else. They have limited access to social media and news and anything else. So a lot of what they know is passed on from mouth to mouth. So some guy comes into their refugee camp um, or comes to their village or whatever and starts telling them all about this stuff, saying he can do this, he can do that, and you can have a better life here and so on and so forth. And they lap it up because anything's better than where they are right now. So there they go. And they don't get told about all the bad things on, on the trip up um, until they get there. And unfortunately, a lot of bad things happen. I mean, look at Libya and all, all the people there that, you know, have been killed and everything else happened. And, you know, I last week I had a story. I pulled off the news from um, Medicine, Sans, Medicine Sans Frontier, which, you know, in English is medicine, Doctors Without Borders. And I've, I've met people from there, you know, in my travels and, um, you know, they're somewhat political, but that's another story. But the big thing is that they're reporting on all of these atrocities going on and nobody really doing much about it. So the question is, these people who are, you know, largely under, under, uneducated in a lot of ways, and some are educated, but just don't know any better. Like there's a lot of Chinese immigrants coming in through Ecuador and then coming up, you know, through through the jungles and up up through Mexico, um, and all of these, whether they're from Haiti, China, um, India, what have you, are all being told the same thing. Come here, we'll get you across the border. 
and we'll set you up. We'll do this. We'll do that and all that. And they believe it. And a lot of bad things are happening to them. So that's my, my big thing is if you could fix that, if you could just fix that one big thing right there, then it would really help a lot. And there's a lot of people who are more than willing to wait a little bit down on the southern border and come through immigration like they're supposed to. They really, they don't have a problem with that. But the United States right now has a very dysfunctional system. The courts are a mess. They don't have enough judges. And the Border Patrol is running around like uh, um, almost like a Gestapo uh, in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's a mess. And the worst part is because of the factionalism going on, um, you know, everything I'm reading about is that it's almost like it's designed. You got one group that wants to keep everybody out, another group that's wanting to take care of them, but they're, you know, their hands are handcuffed behind their back. And, you know, I don't know how that's going to get resolved because, you know, that leads into my other part here. Um, you know, I, I read a lot of stories from Europe. They don't seem to have nowhere near the problem. Now, granted, they have they have a micro problem. And yes, over in the Balkans and over in that area, there are migrants that are dying out on the trails because they have shut down a lot of the borders and stuff because there's too many people coming across there, don't have any papers. Um, but at the same time, it's nowhere near what's going on here in, in the American continents. Um, but at the same time, you've got Great Britain with all of their issues. Um, they let in way too many people that they can handle. And, you know, Canada is going through the same thing right now. They opened up their immigration system about five or six years ago, and now they got more people than they can handle, and they're grumbling up there about how to take care of them. So again, it's all about government control. If 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 you took if you did it right, it works great. But if you don't do it right, well, then you get the mess that we have everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and now we got nationalist um, people, you know, like Serbia right now just elected a, a nationalist politician over there to take charge of the country and he's all about closing down his borders you know he's he's listened to uh, Orban a lot right now and they're they're going to be stirring up trouble over there but again you know that's this whole thing is worldwide because of all the people coming out of, like you said Syria um, coming out of sub-saharan Africa and everywhere else and it's you know they got nowhere else to go they're being killed where they are so they got to go somewhere yeah. and they're being told bad stuff about where to go. Yeah, and yeah. and that's I empathize as well with with situations like that. That it just I mean, a it's if if uh, the U.S. you know went to shit and we had a war and you know had had people dying in the streets. I mean, and Canada said, hey, this is a better life up here. You you know you better believe that, like you said, anywhere is better than here. So let's go, kind of a thing. If that was the case you know a lot of us would take that opportunity you know regardless of how hard it was because like right. i said we, we're in a rock and a hard place so there's there's certainly empathy there for for these situations but at the same time like you said it's almost is it manufactured you know is is this is, is the crisis in itself i mean i'd say part of it yes you know we can talk on you know days and days for how we all contribute to a lot of these issues and these, a lot of these crises, you know, um, mm -hmm. ourselves, both as consumers and then of course, as who we uh, elect as leaders. But then to your point, you know, how, uh, um, you know, there's, you're going to basically a nationalist will get elected because you have this ebb and flow of, of, you know, if you have your hands tied, but you're trying to do what you think is right and you mess it up, you foul up 
in the process of doing it. And now you have this mess like we have at our border that mm. only leads people to one direction. It's like, well, if you're not doing the job, let's elect somebody else in the opposite direction to maybe fix it. I mean, even if they disagree or don't, or maybe unaware, let's be frank. I mean, a lot of, especially Americans are unaware of what each politician's policies are, where they, you know, where they lean. And so, you know, I I feel like it's just, it's just this natural ebb and flow. If this person's not doing the job, well, let's try this person next time. Well, they really messed it up the other way and they closed down the border. Now we have this humanitarian crisis. Let's go back the other way and maybe opening the border would be better, you know? So right. it is a mess. I don't know how I would <laughs> fix it personally. <laughs> so that kind of leads me into the next part of what I want to ask you about, because I'm asking these questions because you're a lot younger than I am. And you talk to people your age and your age group. You know, I would say, you know, in five years north of your age, maybe a few years south. So you talk to more people in that regard. So my question is, you know, what do you guys in your age group think about all these, you know, the all of these politicians? You know, what I'm concerned with here, and I, I say this a lot because only what I see overseas is the chaos that we got going on right now. Now, we have a background of chaos. You know, Donald Trump got elected in 2016 amongst a bunch of chaos. And then, he, you know, 2020 and, and January 2021 was even more chaos. And we still haven't we haven't recovered from all of that. So big thing is we're going up into November. He's making a lot of noise um, about what he wants to do starting day one if he gets reelected. So, I mean, from your military background and your age demographic, if you will, I mean, what do you folks think about that? Hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I have a lot of feelings on, I'd say, I can ease, it's easier for me to answer the question on what do I think of politicians and what I've heard my, you know, demographic, but I would say I talk, um, my position in the military is, is a unique one where I, I would say I interact with, with, uh, quite a few higher ups, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to generals, admirals, et cetera. And, you know, it, when I, I would say I would cla- uh, categorize a lot of people that I talk to into one of two categories. One category is the politician type, those that are kissing babies, they're writing checks, they're signing autographs. And anytime that we are in, in anytime I encounter them and we interact, it's a superficial um, exchange. So mm. I would I would say outside of those superficial exchanges, I wouldn't have you know much more to say on what their opinions might be, might not be, where they might sway. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't have the biggest amount of trust in those situations, in those conversations, those interactions though, I will say that on the other side though, most people that I do interact with, regardless of age, um, yes, a majority I would say are between, I mean, I do have plenty of lower enlisted. So I'd say from 18 to 40, at least 45, you know, I, I Mm -hmm. have a pretty good age range there. A majority of them are somewhere between 20 and 35, let's say. And of those, um, we all pretty much uh, agree on the you know political climate of at least the states you know but i think it it is global i mean like i said i i met one of my co-hosts when i was overseas and we were overseas um you know everybody mm-hmm. both local and uh, in the in the military while we were over there all were pretty much on the same page as well there with 
you know, things that were happening in that country. And, and, you know, whether it was the, I mean, cause it was COVID actually during that time frame, And there was plenty of locals at that time frame that were screaming against the, the political climate. And, you know, this is all to say that none of us trust the political uh, politicians or the political climate right now. None of us feel represented by the political class. None of us uh, feel that we can trust the political, uh, political class. None of us feel that, um, there is a road out of this, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I think if there is a if there's a way to summarize the the uh, sentiment that I've gathered thus far from all of my peers, it's one of hopelessness and frustration. Um, it's uh, no, you know, our interests are not represented, and there's no way to get them represented. There's no way to get money out of politics. Somebody will say this or that will help, but it doesn't. Um, and there's just a complete breakdown, lack of faith when it comes to uh, the institutions of this country, whether it's the education, um, whether it's the political uh, political institutions, whether it's the um, uh, police enforcement, you know, whether it's the, you know, it, yeah, um, security institution, whether it's, you know, um, the media. Uh, I think there is a complete breakdown in the states of, of faith in all of these institutions. And as one of those people that believes that there has been a breakdown and I have absolutely no faith in any of the institutions I listed off, I think it's justfully, I think it's rightfully so. I think uh, the media is displayed time and time again, it's uh, inconsistencies and in its ability to completely lie and be a puppet for propaganda. Uh, we've seen nothing but a downfall of education in even my lifetime. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, I come from a big family between my siblings, my parents, myself, just a complete downward uh, slide. Um, and as someone who enjoys learning and, and education as a whole, that's, that's, you know, it's very clear and obvious and important to see, you know, and to see the breakdown of, you know, and, and mix those together and see the breakdown of our security, you know, the security of our state, you know, when it comes to education of police officers, you know, and the military, you know, the Navy is lowering standards to let more people in. That's not helping us create a strong Navy. If anything, it's, intentionally weakening the Navy, you know, let's lower the standards so that less and less people are actually capable of doing the job of the military. Let's lower the standards for the army. Let's lower, I mean, and the police, I mean, this has been the, you know, classic uh, joke, I guess, of the police officers in the, in the U S as well for the longest time, you know, they eat donuts, they drink coffee and they don't know how to shoot. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, I guess. So yeah, I mean, I don't think that's even, my immediate like age group uh i would say that's it's seeming to become universal especially in the states i think right. i mean even even boomer parents if you will um which my parents are uh are have been you know my my father's similar mentality to myself and you know has been swayed more and more especially over recent times that uh the american dream isn't what it was you know even if even as he is someone who would classically be considered one that uh, achieved the American dream is um, it's disheartening to see in later years that it uh, is, has eroded to the, to the extent that it has. Yeah. I kind of concur with that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure what the American dream was, to be honest with you. Um, I spent, you know, a good portion. I mean, I spent, I added it all up once. I mean, I spent probably over four years total that, you know, if I put everything together, uh, overseas doing bad things in bad places. Eh, it's like, okay. So I'm, you know, I'm not really the one to ask about what the American dream was. You know, I was more worried about just surviving one day to the next. Um, but, 
the other part of that is so just out of curiosity um have you ever heard of this project 2025 project 2025 nothing's ringing a bell now good stay that way (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's a it's starting to be a really big deal with this heritage foundation i've seen it in the news quite a bit leading up here because you know they're wanting to put donald trump in in the hot seat and let him do his thing um and they're going to run everything after that but that's that's a good thing you know um i know all about it but you know that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing either um so just out of curiosity especially like with your background so are you and all your cohorts worried about donald trump being commander-in-chief again um no i would say no um mostly because um I mean, I'd say since uh, Bush Jr., maybe I mean Clinton, even I would say that uh, again, this this machine that is the military mm-hmm. uh, isn't isn't uh, taking orders from Commander in Chief. I know on paper that's what we're told, and I know in the news or you know at his latest press conference he'll claim, and you know the amount of weight is certainly more than what we hold or what the average U.S. citizen holds. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, I and especially no, especially seeing what I've seen and having uh, Trump commander in chief prior is um, he, he could care less. I mean, he he actually boarded one of uh, he he boarded a ship. Obviously, he did his rounds, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And every impression that I and anybody who's met him has is, um, you know, he's not he's not um, he's not here to be a leader, and he's certainly not here to command. He's here to yeah. make his uh, make his name. And build right. this team up, um, and and it's it's a shame because I know that you know there are plenty of people who I respect and uh, plenty of family members that I love that have been sold, especially because of the breakdown and erosion of institutions. You know, up to this point, specifically in the you know, political sphere, that they're ready and 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 were ready to accept anything that was different than what we had. You know, with Bush Jr. and Clinton, and then Obama. I mean anybody and everybody was just ready for something different and when when i mean i lost that faith when obama was elected and i you know i was like you know maybe maybe there is this one maybe his slogan of change is going to be the one right like let's right. see and uh and that was the last time i ever ever had an ounce even a sliver of minute <laughs> faith right. or hope and so yeah, I, I lost uh, mine i lost mine when uh bush jr took the reins and all of a sudden, everything just went upside down. Um, but, you know, that was a whole other thing. And, yeah, I agree with you about Obama. He uh, he said a lot of good things. But when it, when it came to doing things, yeah, not so much. <laughs> it's like he tucked his tail between his legs and sat in a corner somewhere. As did um, Trump, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Trump, Trump was a whole other animal. Uh, I mean, I wasn't on active duty back then. But still, you know, you, you keep your head in the game. I don't care. You know, if you've if you've done something long enough, you know, like anything else, even after all these years, I I still keep my head in the game. So I hear things, I see things, I know, I still know some people, um, and and it's like okay, um, you know, this big thing about Donald Trump telling everybody, you know, that he's going to be dictator for a day, um, right after he gets inaugurated, and everybody's like, what? You're going to do what? You know. Um, he wants to impose martial law. If the, you know, if people protest against his 
presidency and all kinds of stuff like that. It's like, all right, so are we going to have anybody uh, in Washington that's going to say, no, you can't do that, like Millie was doing? <laughs> you know, that's the question, because that goes back to that Project 2025, because if Trump gets elected, these guys are saying, well, we're going to implement this as soon as he gets takes his hand off the Bible. And uh, it's going to be a game changer. And that would eliminate pretty much any kind of um, military counseling at that point. Um, so I don't know. Um, and that's, that's interesting. I'm going to do some research then. I'm curious with this Project 2025. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of history and I have uh, been... I've been going through um, World War II a lot recently, um, mm -hmm. you know, back, you know, when I was in high school and then when I was in uh, university, I had a big fascination. Maybe my name gives it away with, uh, <laughs> with ancient Greece and the Romans right. and everything. Right. And, um, and now I've, I've re, you know, revisiting and rehashing a lot of World War II. It's, it's just, I, I you know, I come to that question of, you know, it, there were so many instances of this and I know it's, hindsight's 2020 but there were so many instances of this that even those on the ground at the time you know were, were vocal about and yet somehow we still ended up where we ended up right and right. it's just it's it's always it's fascinating but it's always scary when you see a lot of these um you know may, i don't know what you call them maybe you know like highlights today or like little pieces that are highlighted mm -hmm. today that you know, kind of ring a little a little too familiar. May I recognize that song a little too much, you know, recognize right. the mentality a little too much. And well, um, yeah, I'll do some research on this project 2025. <laughs> well, the big thing about it is, you know, you, you step back from just that in itself, but you step back a little bit and look at things that Donald Trump is saying to everybody at his rally. And, you know, you've got these think tanks like the Heritage Foundation and, and a few other ones that are piling on with all of this stuff. And you lump that all into one large thing, okay? And you step back and you take a look at what was going on in Germany in the late 1920s and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the whole decade of the 1930s. And you kind of compare what, what they look like back then compared to what these people want to bring in in 2025. And there's a lot, a lot of parallels right there. And it's, it's a little scary. So the other part of the equation, like right now, is Joe Biden obviously is having problems with not stepping on his feet. And um, his credibility has been a little off here lately with this whole business with Israel and Gaza. And then now, you know, this, this thing with the special counsel report and all that stuff. So the big question is, my, you know, my number one question for all of this is why is the American public, and it doesn't really matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, or somewhere in between, why are we being funneled down to where we only got these two guys to vote on? Mm. Mm. Uh, I've been asking that since I could ask questions. Oh, um, wow. And you know, it's you know, and I've and again going through, I've I've been uh, I'm almost done with my second reading because it's it's a it's a big one and so it takes a couple to get through it all is uh john tollins um biography on adolf hitler you know ah. his his entire life his childhood his rise to power etc and one thing that i've that i've noticed again to your point of parallels is um you know if the question is why you know why do the population accept it's a uh, 
I think it's just like anything else is we, we want an answer. We want to trust. We, you know, if you trust that um, you get, you know, you get into your car, you start it up, that it's going to drive and it's going to get you from point A to point B. Um, there's, I mean, but you don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to change a tire or you don't know how to check your battery or anything or, you know, anything else. Um, that's a pretty precarious situation that you, that most people put themselves in every single sure. day, but we kind of just trust it. We can, and because we kind of just trust it, everything kind of keeps running and it keeps working. And most people get to where they're going pretty okay. And I think that habit is, is what we've, you know, used or extended to our, our government, our, you know, our leader, our leaderships, our teachers, you know, our police officers. I think we're all just like, well, because I'm not a police officer, or I'm not in the military, or I'm not a politician, you know, I don't know how it all works. And therefore, I kind of just trust that it all works. I trust that it's going to be okay. I trust the IRS is, you know, taxing us correctly. And I trust that our tax money is going to the places that I hope and want it to go. But we're so disconnected that I don't think any of us really, you know, know <laughs> any of you. Right. You're right. And that's that's the biggest thing that's going on. And it's been going on for a long time now is that the American public, for the most part, they've been on autopilot for decades. And now all of a sudden things are starting to kind of, you know, the engines are starting to knock a little bit. Uh, car doors are getting a little squeaky and things are people are starting to pay a little bit of attention. But like you said, they don't really know what to pay attention to. And that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate for sure. Yeah. So I'm pretty much, that was all I really wanted to talk about here for as today's show goes. Um, and it was good to good to have your your opinions on these things. Um, like I said, my, you know, this podcast generally is, is a solo deal on my end. I, I pick out an op, op-ed and I, you know, discuss it with references. Um, but I, I had a friend who told me, you know, hey, you know, you're you're kind of in some ways you're kind of one sided. And I thought to myself, OK, uh, I, I get that, you know, um, but it's really hard sometimes for me to get somebody to say, hey, you know, I'm I, this is how I think of things. And this is how what without being overly over over the top. And that that was my concern, because the last thing I want to do is get into a discussion with some fanatic um, and um, end up with down a rabbit hole someplace that I can't control. It's like, yeah, no, 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 no. And I've met people like that. And then it's, it's never pretty. <laughs> yeah. And of course do everything we can to not be that in ourselves. Right. That's oh yeah. The, yeah. Like you said, you know, if it's one side, it's like, well, how, how do we, how do we balance that? You know? So right. It's, it's always good. It's always good to to step outside of it and, you know, I appreciate you letting me come on and, you know, give mm -hmm. my absolutely zero <laughs> two cents that is <laughs> worth zero. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's worth a lot more than you think. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, then. I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. Um, and I'm going to close up shop here. Okay. Um, this is uh, this is the Chinese New Year. So my better half is waiting anxiously for me to get all my stuff done because we have a Lunar New Year party to go to tonight. Oh, that sounds lovely. That's why you're looking as sharp as you are. Well, I hope you have fun and, <laughs> and yep. uh, happy new year. All right. Well, take care now. You as well, Terrence. Thanks for having yeah. me. Mm -hmm. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll return again for another episode of The Village Oak Tree. Please share this podcast with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. This is Shauna Kay. I hope you'll continue to let me travel to your village to bring you some news from the world outside that might make you think a little after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May the saddest day of your future be no worse than the happiest day of your past. Slongo foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. <laughs>